This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Robert Fekas at Nerdster330 on Instagram. Ah, That's exciting. It, it is. And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. And welcome to The Obsessive Viewer. We're a movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show each episode. Mostly, usually just movie. Um, you can find more of our work at obsessiveviewer.com. You can also like us on Facebook and join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash theobsessiveviewer. Um, I'm your host, the aforementioned Matt Hurt. And with me today is recurring co-host, the aforementioned also Robert Feckes. Hello. Hi. How's it going? Going well. Going well. Good. We haven't been talking for the last... No, 30 minutes. minutes. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, we do, uh, we did just record a special bonus segment for Patreon, uh, which if you like what you hear and you want to support us on Patreon, go to patreon.com slash obsessive viewer. Uh, every time we release an episode on the main feed, we release a separate bonus, uh, discussion thing, kind of a loose, Kind of thing. So if you want more of this, this type of rambling, you know, <laughs> pay us money. <laughs> to be fair, I felt like we had a very good conversation. We did. So. We did. There was a lot, there was a lot of good stuff in there. Like, like. We weren't very focused, but then again, when is the podcast ever really <laughs> exactly. focused? Exactly. Very true. And like, I, like halfway through, I was like, this, this is kind of an episode. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, like we could just do this. As well, a- last time I was here, I believe it was supposed to be a bonus episode. Probably recorded like two hours. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Oh, I'm excited for you to listen to the year in review episode because I have so many stats and everything. So I'm, I'm excited. You're a man that loves yeah. the stats. I do. And speaking of stats, Fekus, uh, Letterboxd. Letterboxd. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Never heard of it. Yeah, well, Letterboxd is a social media or social networking site for film lovers where you can log the movies you watch and write reviews and interact with other members of the site. Um, it is freaking amazing. We are in a position to give away free pro memberships um, to people, so we're going to do that again. Our next giveaway is going to be next month. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's great. And I actually just, I didn't mention this in the last episode, but, um, me, Tiny, and, and Mike are all pro members on, on the site, which gives us access to stats and everything. So if you listen to our year in review episode, we basically go through the stats and everything, like most watched actor, director, and like genre, a bunch of stuff that's really fun. It's kind of interesting. It is. I'll give you that. Yeah. Not interesting enough for me to shell out money for, but... Well, it's only $19 for the full year. For the full year. Yeah, and it's supporting the website. It's a bottle of bourbon. To to wit, I just upgraded to patron level. (laughs) So uh, my, 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 my dues were due. Um, So instead of the $19, I was like, you know what? I'm going to pay them $49. God. And that gives me the same stuff, except I get some nice backdrops on my on my profile. That's like somebody um, buying Fortnite skins. Well, so, okay, sort of, but like, like, look, I get like a little backdrop. For yeah, me. like yeah. I said, Fortnite skins. Yeah, well, also it goes to help the website because you know they're well, Fortnite skins goes to help Fortnite. Yeah, but Fortnite's like massive, like they, I don't two billion dollar uh, in twenty eighteen. Yeah. Yeah, and Letterbox is is uh like they've they've been growing, but like they're this little New Zealand company that 
you know. That, just, of the, from New Zealand? Yep. That's neat. Yep. Yeah. I uh, had emailed them because we, yeah, I, I was like, hey, that because it was around Thanksgiving. I was like, happy Thanksgiving. If you guys are based in the U.S., I actually have no idea. <laughs> and they're like, oh, yeah, we're from New Zealand. Like, Thank you. Though. Goddamn Americans just I think know. everything revolves around exactly. them. Exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah, we're on the other side of the world, but we celebrate your <laughs> holiday of murdering Indians. Exactly. Oh, it was not off to a great foot with them. <laughs> but, um, oh, God. Anyway. You, you could have made it worse by calling them Australians. Jeez. <laughs> Is there a difference? Oh, I really hope you don't have any New Zealand listeners. I'm just kidding. I, I, have you ever met a New Zealander and had them t- tell you how murderous they get when someone was saying no. it is i may actually have to cut that out yeah it's 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 bad wow i see i didn't know that i've met a couple of people from new zealand and it's like you have to keep them from stabbing you wow wow that is that's very interesting it is huh well uh yeah uh, so if you're ever in New Zealand want to pick a fight <laughs> uh, you can find Robert Ficus <laughs> on Instagram um, but yeah so today on the podcast we are talking about oh by the way you can follow me on letterboxd at uh, letterboxd.com slash obsessive viewer um, also it's fun because like I mentioned oh you haven't you have you've been backed up on it. I haven't posted it like publicly or anything. But um, last episode, I mentioned that I was um, accepted into the Indiana Film Journalists Association. No kidding! Congratulations! Yeah. Oh, That's thank awesome. You. Thank you. Well done. Yeah, uh, super excited about it, and like it's already kind of reaping like like I'm reaping the benefits from it because like I'm like I've got invited to it. Um, um, press screen, like I got invited to a press screening for Glass, which is the movie that we're about to review. Um, but I, like me and Tanya were recording that night and it was like mm. a very last minute thing. Like the, I got accepted into it like Monday and then they're like, Oh, hey, this screening, this press screening is on Tuesday. And That's like, still pretty awesome though. Oh, totally. Like I'm super excited about going forward. Like I've got, like I've already got a couple of screeners and everything for movies that, uh, well, I have, I have one for Stan and Ollie, which I haven't watched yet. Um, with John C. Riley and Steve Coogan, uh, they play Laurel and Hardy. I um, I know of it, have not seen anything about it. Nice, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to watch that, especially because one of my Letterbox lists, uh, like challenges that I'm doing for 2019, is the comedy weekly comedy challenge, which basically it's 52 movies. Each one has a specific theme, like like a Charlie Chaplin silent film or huh. um, a film, uh, a, cl- a comedy featuring a, a comedy du- male comedy duo. And like, I just watched a Laurel and Hardy movie last night. Or you could have watched uh, Holmes and Watson. Oh, Jesus. I already watched that. <laughs> I can't believe you went to go see it. A list. Yeah, A-list. I get it. But yeah. Um, but yeah, so anyway, so I'm, I'm excited. That's why I've been posting more, uh, written reviews on the website. Cause speaking of a list, yes. so you go see a lot of, uh, mediocre to awful movies because you are on a list. Sure. So I'm sure cause you go to the movies even more than I do. You have seen the trailer for the new dog movie coming up, <laughs> which, which show well, the, the one that shows you the entire, entire goddamn movie. movie. Yeah. Are you even, are you going to go see it? No, fuck no. Okay. I was uh, gonna, like it's a dog's way home. Okay. Yeah. Like yeah. the first time I watched, it, I was like, I just saw this entire movie. Yeah. Oh like, yeah. It, like the whole, the whole trailer, like the first time I saw it, I was like, I wonder if this is going to be like the type of movie that's like going to make, like would make me cry. Cause you know, I love animals. 
Like, and then they showed the, it, like, presumably the last freaking scene of the movie. The only, the only thing I will say to defend the marketing behind that is maybe it's the, the marketer's way of saying, Hey, look, this is for kids. And I promise you, we're not going to murder the dog at the end. Yeah. Like, that's the I, only thing. I think I, so too. And also it, it's not for like us. It's no, it's, not, it, you're right. It's not. It's like that type of movie is kind of geared toward like people who maybe only see one or two movies sure. in the theater a year. Sure. Ca- very uh, extremely casual yeah. viewers and families that are like, Hey, I want to take my kid to see a nice, wholesome movie. Right. So I'm not, I don't want to bash the movie too bad right. because there is a place for that sort of yeah. movie. And it's not, like you said, it's not geared towards us, but mm-hmm. I like, I'm still like, I saw the, I was like, well, I guess I don't have to see that movie. Since. Yeah. It's, <laughs> well, good it job, was, Bella. It was <laughs> you ridiculous. Made oh yeah. And it's like, it's in the same vein. I, maybe based on a book by the same author, but of uh, a, a dog's purpose. I think it's the same writer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Something like, something to that effect. I and, didn't research it. Mm-hmm. So, and when I saw on the basis of <laughs> sex uh, tonight, I um, uh, I saw another trailer for not not a dog's purpose, not a dog's way home, but a dog's journey. Oh, which is the the sequel to a dog's purpose with uh, um, oh man, what is his name? Dennis Quaid's in that. Dennis Quaid. Yeah. Yep. Uh yeah, it is a it is a sequel to that movie. Is it? Yeah, which Well, I didn't see a dog's purpose. So. Me me neither. But again, the trailer gave away a lot of stuff in it. It's like this dog that keeps getting reincarnated or or like whenever the dog dies, he is Has, reborn re- as retains another. the memories yeah. or yeah. And so the whole movie is like him trying to find his owner played by Dennis Quaid. Again? Well, no, no, that's, that's a dog's purpose, which also, like, that movie caught a lot of flack because the production, like, endangered Was that that movie? Animal. Yeah, yeah I was, dogs. I was not pleased to see that either. Same I, here. Like, I saw that, the video, and it's yeah. just, it's horrifying. Oh, absolutely. Like, I, and the fact that they got funding and they were able to make a sequel to it is just, well, it made money. Perplexing. It's, yeah. again, it's one of those movies where, you know, the casual viewer is not going to know right. about this viral that's thing. That's true. That, yeah. So it's, it's, it's going to print money, maybe yeah. not print a ton of money, but right. it's going to profit. Mm-hmm. So, but that and uh, like I've also on Letterboxd, I've uh, this year kind of uh, one of my uh, low key kind of goals for the year is to keep a running list of the movies that I see trailers for in the theater. Um, just because there's a lot of like trailers, like I'll see once and then think like, oh, that could be okay, and then completely forget about it. Um, so I have a running list. I've seen like five or six movies in the theater at this point. God, you know, I'm 22 days into the new year. I've seen two mm-hmm. and one of them was for a 2018 movie. Mm-hmm. It's just nothing has been out that I thought I was kind of intrigued by, um, um, the, one about the room, the escape room one, which I think oh, is called yeah. escape room escape room. And yeah. I, I, I might go see it tomorrow. I don't know. It, just for yeah. something, to, just for something to see. Um, but you should watch it because me and Mike reviewed it on the podcast. Oh, yeah, a, a Mike review. Yeah, I will have to listen, watch it nice. then. Nice, um, yeah. Also, it has Deborah Ann Wool, who I'm a huge fan of. Yeah, she was. Um, I'll, I'll get to talk to her. Yeah, not get to get talk to- about her right. when uh, I bring up my potpourri, but yeah. I I never knew much of her. I've never saw anything of her until mm-hmm. Daredevil. So interesting. But see, me too, kind of. Well, she she was in True Blood. She was. I never watched That's it. The only thing that I yeah. saw her in, which True Blood is 
True Blood. Never saw it. Um, but I will say, in Escape Room, like I was watching, and I was like, give her like an action movie. <laughs> like she's she's pretty badass in this movie. Is she? Um, yeah, it's good for her. Yeah, oh, I know. Um, yeah. So there was that. That oh, uh, the trailers. I thought there was a thing that I was gonna go with, but I don't know. But anyway, uh, yeah, trailers. There was a trailer for um. It's interesting because this year, 2019, has two movies coming out that are s- interesting. Uh, only two interesting movies this only year, people. Two interesting only two movies. of them. Um, <laughs> and one of them is A Dog's Purpose, right. too. <laughs> oh, God. But um, <laughs> uh, one of them is uh, what, what Men Want. Um, have you seen the trailers for that? Is that the sequel to the Mel Gibson What Women Want? I don't know. It's like it's the exact same premise. It, it is. It's like a spiritual. Se- I don't think that it's actually like a sequel. It's just basically like, oh hey. I will say that I have as about as much interest in seeing that as I did what women want. So, <laughs> in other words, mm-hmm. I'm not going to see it. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I. You know. And I said in the year interview episode that I'm going to have to pace myself because, like, if I see all these movies in in theaters, it's going to just it's going to kind of take the the magic away from like sitting in a theater and watching a movie. Sure. But um yeah, I don't know. That trailer just is it's annoying because it's like uh I tweeted this but like the the premise of the movie like there's voiceover of the men's thoughts obviously. Right. And like every like that is that is categorically that is the um that is the easiest thing, the easiest part of the movie to polish and and get get like drafts of and like like really hone the comedy of it because it's just because you're just feeling voiceover yeah, exactly. voiceover not to take anything away from voice acting you know, right but it's like in the in the grand scheme of things it's like you get a couple takes of of an actor like in a in a scene and like you have that to pull from right. marketing but like you can spend a like 10 times as much time getting you know like b-roll audio for the voiceover sure. Having said that, every single men thought in the trailer for what men want is like comedy, like graveyard. It, yeah, like nothing. it's just all. It's just really stereotypical. It's like mm-hmm. mm, that's what I want. Yeah, you just walked through my fart. It's like every, oh, every time I see that, I cringe <laughs> so bad. I and hey, look, I I like. Talk, toilet humor as, ne- yeah. as much as the next guy, but right. never have I ever farted and thought to myself, you just walked exactly. through my fart. Like when I fart, like I get it out there. Mm-hmm. I fart at the gym. Everyone does okay. because it's strenuous activity <laughs> and you're going to fart. And whenever I'm like on the treadmill and I fart or if I'm doing a heavy lift and I fart, I'm like, Oh God damn it. Please. Nobody walk through. The-. I'm like, huh, you just walked through my fart. <laughs> it's like, no, no guy. Th- yeah. There might be some guys right. that think like that and are that just ridiculously immature, mm-hmm. but not every guy. Have certain hats, but yeah. <laughs> um, but no. A funny, funny gym fart story, real quick. Uh, I was at the gym once, when <laughs> and uh, this was like I had like free sessions with a trainer or whatever, and I was like, you know what? Why not? So like we're doing like like I'm doing like crunches or something on a mat. In like maybe six feet. Mattception. <laughs> Matt on a mat. Right. Uh, six feet away from me is this woman doing an exercise on the mat. She has headphones in. If I remember correctly, I could hear, 
I could hear the music coming out of the headphones. So just to paint a picture of how how loudly her how headphones. loudly and how how uh, how noise cancelly she could have been. Uh, the whole time I'm doing my crunches, I'm like, I have to fart so bad, <laughs> and like it reached a point where it was like. It just went. Like it, I had no. <laughs> it happens. It. It, it does. It happens at the gym. You can't. Yes. You can't help it. And she looked over <laughs> in horror. So to give a, to paint a picture of to how, hell with her. Everyone farts yeah. at the gym. Well, that's the thing. I think that like the surprise of it because she was cl- like she clearly couldn't necessarily hear it, but I feel like she could probably feel it on the mat. Yeah. Well. That- so yeah. Anyway, uh, this is the obsessive fart something but you're you're uh, correct like there's there's not been yeah. one like thought male thought that mm-hmm. was like oh that's kind of funny or clever yeah and then the other trailer that i don't i, I i'm curious if you've seen it it's uh, a movie about a woman i think she's a high-powered executive or something like that who uh makes a wish or does something that she turns into a young kid it's it's basically so, the reverse. Reverse big, and the movie is titled <laughs> Little. I'm already, I'm, I'm already hate it. I already yeah. hate it. Yep. So uh, I don't know. It, yeah. Um, nope. Yeah. But the final trailer thing I want to bring up is I saw this trailer for like the nth time today, and uh, it's. It, have you seen the trailer for Breakthrough? I don't know. What's it about? It's the super like faith based movie about the yes. kid in the yeah, 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 yeah. with uh, Luke Cage. Um, yeah, that yeah, Luke Cage. Um, yeah, I like watching the trailer for that. I was like, this is my bar. Like, <laughs> like this is the line. <laughs> Bullshit. You'll see it. No, 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 no. Like, I was sitting like watching the trailer tonight. I was like, I was sitting there thinking like. Like, I wanted to tweet this out and I didn't have a chance to because you know movie. But I was just like you. Honestly, like I would, I would feel comfortable saying this. You could give me a year of a list for free, and I wouldn't allocate the time to watch this movie. Like you, like you could give me a year as a reward for watching this movie. And I'm oh, like, I would. I don't want to watch. Well, I, I was in the trailer for God's Not, or I was in the theater for God's Not Dead right. way back in like 2013, and like that's like I it because, and I heard this described on another podcast, but it's. Those types of movies are – they're playing to a crowd, which is fine, but they're not movies. They're sermons in movie form. Well, devil's advocate and – and you know my lack of belief, mm-hmm. uh, You know, not, not that I shove down people's throat, but mm-hmm. you're not the audience. I'm not the audience. Right. There is an audience for that. Yeah. And that audience, they don't have a whole lot – that is geared towards them. Exactly. So I'm I'm okay with ha- them having a movie that's geared towards them, and they'll they'll yeah. love it. They'll rave about it. They'll right. talk about it. How's you know it, it's strengthen their spiritual uh, beliefs, mm-hmm. and that's fine. You know yeah. it, it doesn't have to be for us. Right now, would I sit through it and think it's probably the most ridiculous thing? Probably. Yeah. But you know I would sit through Paw Patrol and think the same thing. <laughs> sure, but I think I'm at the point where I'm like. I'm just thinking it's it's just like yes it's not for me but it's also just it's not it is it like I said it's a sermon instead of like a movie it's just like it is just solely created by people who likely don't know the fundamental not fundamentals but like aren't like their their main goal isn't to like make films or anything it's just like it's to make these geared toward a specific audience and I'm sure. Like, I don't feel like sitting through that well, even with a list but again it, it's it's not for you right and the 
the people that are making these movies aren't naive enough to think that it's going right. to convert people. Right. But they are legitimate. They're making a movie for mm-hmm. that crowd. Yeah. And that are those are the only people that are probably going to go see it, except mm-hmm. for maybe a straggler here or there that doesn't know what they're walking into. Right. And it'll do well with that crowd. Mm-hmm. It, you know, that's fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, also that movie just looks terrible. <laughs> it does look terrible. <laughs> yeah. It, you know. It, um, yeah. Yeah. If, strictly from a technical point of view it, right. looks, it looks awful but you know though the, the people that go see it will tell you it was the greatest movie of 2019 right yep because they've seen two movies in 2019 right one is breakthrough and one is a dog's purpose yeah or a dog's a dog's journey and they'll probably be like well you know i don't like possessed dogs in my movies <laughs> right. that, but sorry i don't want to take shots at religion right right uh yeah so i thought there was one other thing but uh, screw it anyway um let's talk one more trailer yes. because i do have a, a thing or two to say about some a, re- a specific reaction okay. and that's the ghostbusters teaser oh yes okay yeah all right so first of all you gotta understand how ridiculously i exci- excited right. i'm about this sure. movie okay now there is controversy about this mm-hmm. when they announced the uh what's the name of the director the Jason Reitman? No, 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 no. Or, the, uh, the, uh, Paul Feig? Paul Feig. Yeah. So with the Paul Feig Ghostbusters movie, I, I wasn't on board, but I was going to give it a shot because mm-hmm. it's Ghostbusters and I'll see what they're going to do with the franchise. Mm-hmm. I went to go see it. I gave it a shot. I think it was very forgettable. I wouldn't go out as far as to say it was just a god-awful hunk of crap. Right. I just thought it was a bland, unfunny, nice-to-look-at movie. Right. So that... That's not like a misogynist, like nice to look at. Like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Graphically speaking, <laughs> right? Like it, the the visual effects were were really good. Right. The movie came out. Uh, it got some decent like critical reviews, yeah. but fans did not take to it. Right. All right, and it, it did not make money to because that was like a hundred some million dollar movie, something like that. Yeah. And it did not make enough money to sustain mm-hmm. uh, that franchise. Right. You took your shot. It did not go the, the way you hoped fine right so now the director's son from the original movie Mm -hmm. is going to make a reboot that is going to be in the same universe as the original two movies Mm -hmm. so leslie jones Mm -hmm. has voiced a uh, opinion about this Mm -hmm. and it is to me it is beyond ridiculous it's it is such a knee jerk response that just feels like it's just needlessly indignant over something that's had. There's not enough information right. about. Right. We don't know who's cast in it. Yeah. We don't know what it's what timeline's going to be in. We don't know if right. it's going to be an all male Ghostbusters cast. Mm-hmm. We don't know anything about this yeah. movie. But she's already jumped to the conclusion mm-hmm. that it's going to be a. Oh, Trump made a Ghostbusters yeah. movie. Uh, oh man, it's gonna be better. Uh, and then she yeah. goes on to say, and they think it's gonna make more money, and it will. And she's she's basically doing what the idiot fans did with the reboot yes. a few years ago, mm-hmm. jumping to a conclusion, mm-hmm. saying it's gonna be terrible. How mm-hmm. dare you replace them all with females? My thing was. Not that they replace them all with females. Right. If you have a good female cast that's going to mm-hmm. do the movie justice, awesome, I'm all for it. Yeah. Because I like some of the girls that were in the movie. I think right. that Kristen Wiig is great. Mm-hmm. I think that the, uh, who's the other blonde? Uh, Kate McKinnon. Kate McKinnon, I think she's yeah. hilarious. Oh, me too. Uh, 
uh, I did she not. She stole the movie. Yeah, she yeah. was to me. She was the only thing that was funny about that movie. Mm-hmm. I'm not thing in the sense that I think that women are things. Right, right. The the only aspect <laughs> of that movie that I mm-hmm. thought was entertaining. So she, but Leslie Jones is doing the exact same thing. She's yeah. coming out and just saying because, and I get it. She has an affinity for that movie because she was right. a part of it. She yeah. helped create it. I get that. And there's likely a ton of resentment and just you know personal pain in it because she she had stakes in that she did yeah but to come out and immediately just uh, over a a trailer with a car in a broken down shack yeah and just all of a sudden first of all you got to throw politics into it right and you got to throw sexism into it Mm -hmm. like calm down just calm the fuck down now am i happy about that this movie's being made absolutely I am more happy that this movie is being made than I was happy that the other Ghostbusters reboot. So sue me. I love the original two Ghostbusters, and I love the universe that it set up. Mm -hmm. Sorry. So you've heard it here. The official position of Robert Parkins (laughs) is that he wants all women to shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Nurse for 338 Instagram. That's where you want to send the hate. Uh, but no, I, I do like I do see where you're coming from. What's interesting to me is that I I came out of Ghostbusters 2016 um, liking it. I I enjoyed the movie. Um, I don't have that high an affinity for the original. Like I I like it as a comedy. Like I I don't revere it the way that everyone else does. Um, or like that like people like in. Not to say it's a bad movie or anything. I just it doesn't connect with me that way. And that's you know, and I get that. I I can look at Ghostbusters too and tell you it's not a great movie. Sure, but I love that movie. Mm-hmm. And you know, me, my brother, and my sister will sit mm-hmm. around a dinner table and quote those two movies for hours mm-hmm. on end because we love those movies. We grew up watching those movies. Sure, and that's where my right. thing is. I didn't grow up watching them. Like I watched. I think I watched the first one for the first time in like 2013. Oh yeah, yeah. That's, so yeah, yeah. Um, but having said that, like I, so I, I saw the Paul Feig one in 2016. And I I enjoyed it. I thought it was funny. Haven't revisited. Haven't really had a desire to revisit it either. But you know, it wasn't a bad movie in my opinion. Um, I do always think about this whenever that comes up in conversation. That when I went to the movie theater, like I, uh, I was in the lobby, or I think I went to the I went to the restroom and then came out like before the movie started, and then I was about to go into the theater and I saw this man uh, tell his like little like she had to be like six year old girl or something, um, told her to wait out there, which I thought was weird because he was the only adult with her mm. while he goes into the bathroom. That is weird. But like as as he goes into the bathroom like she's like like she's standing in front of this big like ghostbuster standy thing and like she's hugging it and i'm like that's like that i i get like that that's sure yeah so no, anyway. and I, yeah. I, look I, i'm not saying that the yeah. the cast has to be all male yeah i i'm not saying that i was upset that the uh reboot cast was all female mm-hmm. let's just wait to see what happens yes yeah. so you heard it here Robert Feckus says that this little six-year-old girl needs to <laughs> shut up. <laughs> Stay in your lane, little girl. <laughs> Hashtag not my Ghostbusters. <laughs> Fem Nazi. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we should go into our review. We should. Yeah. Um, of a dog's purpose. <laughs> yes. Oh, God. Damn it. Um, <laughs> uh, so today we're reviewing Glass, which 
this is we're gonna. I I probably should have made notes and everything because this is gonna be kind of a big for me at least. Like, let's before we go into our review, um, I just want to get your thoughts on Shyamalan. Wow, I Shyamalan. Shyamalan. I like. I I'm so like. I'm gonna I'm gonna put put this out there on the podcast. Like, no at no point will anyone on this podcast ever use the joke Shyamalama ding dong <laughs> like every time I see that it grates on my nerves because it's not it's not a hard name to pronounce it's not it really isn't it's not clever to extend it that way either it's like borderline I don't know if it's I don't know if I'd say racist but it's like I, of, I would not say racist yeah it's it's uh, offensive to me as a uh, fan of comedy <laughs> because it's just adamantly not funny <laughs> Uh, but anyway, anyway, it's like anytime there's a Shyamalan movie, it's like, oh, Shyamalan. Right. It's like, okay. People make them like, oh, Shyamalan. No, yeah. it's Shyamalan, all right? It's exactly. Not- uh, so anyway, so <laughs> uh, M. Night Shyamalan, he is a very interesting filmmaker. His, his career, it's just, it's, it's kind of crazy to me. Like I, let's just talk about our relationship with, with Shyamalan. Well, I met him first in yeah. second grade. Um, oh, that's weird. Uh, we became close friends. <laughs> mm-hmm. <No>. Nice. <laughs> uh, I was introduced to his work um, with, I think, you know, it's actually funny because it was like in 2000, um, I remember my brother went to see Unbreakable in the theater with like some of his friends and like at that time, I hadn't seen The Sixth Sense, or I think I'd I'd seen just the end of The Sixth Sense when my mom was watching it one night. And like uh, I remember, I specifically remember Ray saying like, "Oh, it was terrible. Like it just turned out to be just a superhero movie, and who wants that or whatever." <laughs> Silly Ray. Yeah. And it's like, and I I like that as an anecdote because that's two thousand. Like that's before well right before, before the the superhero boom. Yeah. Um, and then when I discovered Shyamalan, like I was all about it. Like I loved the sixth sense, unbreakable signs. Um, when the village came out, uh, I was working at a movie theater, uh, the now, the now gone, uh, Eagle Highlands. But, uh, I was working in a movie theater and like they would do, like they would run the projector the night before to make sure that there are no issues or anything. So I got to stay after work the night before, the village actually came out and like, I watched it. And like, at the time I was writing reviews on IMDb and like, I was so excited cause I was like, Oh my God, I got a, I review. can get the first one. Yeah. And, uh, having no concept of like media or anything, right. <laughs> but also in that, <laughs> uh, in that review, I started it with like, with, uh, the village is M night Shyamalan's latest masterpiece, <laughs> <laughs> which is, uh, 15-year-old Matt. Um, so, but yeah, so anyway, I, I I loved him up until The Village and then Lady in the Water came out and that was just, I kind of saw the the cracks start to form and then I just, I fell off. The happening happened and then I didn't even like The Village when, when he kind of had his re-emergence, but yeah, I just, I kind of fell off and so I was super stoked when Split was good and blew me away. But what's your relationship with Shyamalan? So very similar beginning. I saw, uh, it's funny with Sixth Sense. I, I saw it once and I saw it in the, in the drive-in. Oh, interesting. And I, I thought it was great. Uh, I 
God, how, how old must I have been? Like mm. 14 or 15-ish, maybe? Some will, Sounds about right. Something like that. I, yeah. I, I don't know for sure. I have not seen it since. Oh, wow. I have not seen The Sixth since since. <laughs> uh, I, I should watch it. <laughs> I should watch it again because mm-hmm. it, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's one of those movies that has become kind of like a meme in and of itself. Yeah, it really So it, 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 it's going to be hard for me to go back and watch it and I actually look at it seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, Unbreakable was mind-blowing to me when I, when I saw it in the theaters and uh, – to this day, I love Unbreakable. I revisited it before going to see Glass. Still think it's a great movie. Still yeah. get chills at the end scene when uh, Bruce Willis is walking away and Samuel L. Jackson's giving his... So good. I, lo- I, I fucking love it. The kids! It, they uh, call me Mr. Glass. Me yeah. Um, Signs, I, I remember loving it when I first saw it, and I saw it in college. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was one of those... Um, Pick movies that they show college at college campuses okay. early, and it was great. Then I every revisit that I've made of it, I still remember loving it. I st- nice. I need to go back and revisit it because I don't want to like make sure that it's good, but I, right. I I still remember loving it, so I I want to go back and see it again. Sure, I will defend the village. Still, I, I I'm not going to say it's a masterpiece. I'm right. not going to say. It's, <laughs> right. uh, but I think it's a good movie, and I think it's M Night Shyamalan's kind of take on a love story, and I appreciated mm-hmm. those aspects of it. And the thing the thing about the village that I feel like doesn't get a lot of um uh, it doesn't get its due is that scene about halfway through the movie. Where spoilers for the village, but a violent thing happens between two characters. Yeah, that's like the way that that's shot. Like it is, it's completely silent. You don't even hear. Like it, it involves a knife. You don't hear it, and like, you know, that's that's also probably to cut around, like get around the PG thirteen, like make it not. Eh. But it's just done. Like the tension is perfect. Like I remember seeing it. In that, in that special, like, screening where I was just the only one in the theater watching it. And then, like, the next, like, over the next few weeks, I, like, I went and saw it again in the theater a couple of times. And, like, I remember when I was working, I would, like, have to, I think, like, I had downtime between screenings where I had to, like, clean theaters and stuff. So, like, I would just kind of, like, peek my head in there and then, like, wait until it was that scene. Just, yeah. to, just to see that scene again and experience the audience reaction because the audience went nuts for it every time. It's a gr- it's Like you said, it's, it's brilliantly shot. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite scenes in that movie is not pr- – people probably don't find it as memorable as I do. Mm-hmm. But it's the scene between Joaquin Phoenix and Bryce Dallas Howard. They're sitting on alone and on the porch mm-hmm. and she keeps asking it, you know, will you dance with me at my wedding? And he just kind of like in his oh, yeah. character's way kind of explodes on her. And he's like, you're right. I have all these feelings, but would you please let me come to you when it's time? And those aren't the words he says, but it's the, oh, the, yeah. the speech he gives her is like, I love that scene. That, me Cause too. I, I think I it's about that perfect for his character and for mm-hmm. her character. I, I, I love that scene. Yeah. Um, that, and then also the attack on the village when they're kind of huddled under the, like they're in the little trap door. Like and he goes into, yeah, yeah. Like the way that the music swells is like, it's this, it's a violin played in the, in the, in the score. Like, and it's like slow motion. He's like, he grabs her hand and runs like, I'm, like that's it. It's great. It's like really I said, well I, I defend the village. I think it's a really good movie. I still enjoy it. Uh, 
not masterpiece. Right. You know, the I I don't think the the twist is all that big of a twist. I think people probably saw it coming. Yeah. But to me, I think the for me the focus of that movie was the love story, and not the mm-hmm. twist. But at that point, people came to an M Night Shyamalan movie expecting the twist. Right. Um, Lady in the Water. Yeah. Not a masterpiece. Right. There are things I find enjoyable about it. Mm. I do own it. I haven't revisited in a long time. The time I did revisit after the first time wasn't as good mm-hmm. as my first viewing, but there's still some things for me to take away and enjoy of it. Not a ton, but sure. you know, it's like you said, it, it's, you start to see the, the cracks. Yeah. And then the happening is a God awful piece of crap that yeah. they remade into bird box in 2018. <laughs> I, <laughs> I hate the happening. I don't understand. I, I don't, mm-hmm. Whatever he was trying to say, whatever, uh, the environment is going to kill us first. It, it was just, it was a bad movie. It was, yeah. it was poorly written, poorly acted, mm. poor, poorly directed. And like you, I fell off the train. And then yeah. he did After Earth, never saw After mm-hmm. Earth because it just got ridiculously destroyed by critics. Yeah. Uh, I saw The Last Airbender because, uh, my wife, who then was just my girlfriend, mm-hmm. uh, loved the cartoon. So I went to go see it whatever it was it was garbage too you know at that point i was just kind of like i don't know what happened to this man but it's done and that's the kind of interesting thing because i like i started to fall off of the the Shyamalan train when i noticed how inflated his ego was (laughs) like it's it's like how about Lady weird. in the Water when he comes and makes himself his writes his character yes. as like the world changing writer. Yes, I'm like come that on, was, man. That was like the the straw that broke the camel's back. I was like, this is this is really like ridiculous. Like he's okay if he wants to be an actor, he he can be an actor. If he wants to do his little cameos, uh, I have no problem with director cameos. I have no problem, but but when you have just no self awareness. And, and no subtlety to it. Like, right. literally, like, it's, and it's, it started even when, I, I feel like it started with, I think, uh, EW or something was like heralding him as the next Spielberg or the next Hitchcock when, uh, Sixth Sense and Unbreakable came out. Um, and then, like, it's, like, there's a clear trajectory that, like, his, his scene, like, his, uh, his, his supporting role in signs, the first scene that you see of him is him walking around his truck. And then one of the kids is like, is that him? And it's like this like little, like winky, yeah. like, I don't know. I, him? I, I get what you're saying. I enjoy his cameo in signs. Mm. Uh, I, 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 I didn't see I it too. For the most part, just like, I feel like that is that like one, like example is like his ego. And then lady in the water is like, uh, like yes, I am brilliant, yes, aren't I? Exactly. I am going to change the world with my writing. Yeah. It's like and, okay, uh, man. Yeah. Um. Um. Maybe he did a cameo on After Earth. I don't know. I, I can't recall I if he did one. The happening. Yeah, I think I'm. I'm sure. That I'm he sure did. he did. Um, yeah. You know what though? Um. After whichever came last, uh, After Earth or uh, Airbender, I, I don't know, mm. but. So his his name was Mud pretty yes. much after those movies. Oh, yeah. And so he he stopped directing for a bit but he he wrote Devil. I think he produced I don't know if he actually wrote it or he may have maybe co-wrote I it but I know he was on the writing path on in Devil. I know he definitely produced it. He had it. a hand in it. And I think that that was like one of the last things that they were like from the mind of M Night Shyamalan. Oh yeah, well he has a story credit. 
Okay. So um, I didn't go see Devil because it said M. Night Shyamalan at that time. I was like, I'm not. But you know what? I saw it on Netflix because I was bored one night, mm-hmm. probably about three or four years ago, and I liked it. Like I liked it a lot. I thought it was yeah. I, like really unique as far as the story setting. Mm-hmm. You know, the, pretty much the whole thing takes place in an elevator, right? So I like I appreciated it, and I was like, well, you know what? Okay, fair enough. M Night had had a good uh, little base hit. I'll take sure. it. Well, that's the thing. Like he like he didn't direct it or write it or anything. He just produced it, and I think that that's where. He, his, I don't know if I'd say his strengths lie, but it's like, he does, he doesn't get in his way that way. Yeah. Um, granted, I, I haven't seen Devil. I just saw, I think I saw like the first 10 minutes or something and I was just kind of checked out of it. But I do remember the, there's a scene on the roof of the building, uh, where a guy like loses his hat or something and he's chasing it. And then like the camera like follows him as he's chasing the Yeah, guy. yeah. And like it just zooms over, and you see how far down it is. I'm like, oh my god, that that's that's fucking with me. <laughs> um, but so yeah, he was in what's what's known as director's jail. So his his name is Poison, and then he I didn't realize this until I I read about it, um, or it's been widely reported now. Like he he came out with the 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 visit the visit and then split and then now glass which now, visit came out and people enjoyed it i did not same here but the thing that's interesting about that is that he self-funded it like these last three movies he's done he has paid like he's he's funded it like he he funded the visit and then i think he he shot it and had it completed and everything in was shopping it around to production studios <laughs> and like no one wanted it because his name was so right, poisonous yeah. but Jason Blum and Blumhouse Productions, like they were like, okay, sure, well, let's do it. And then like this is giving him this revival that I I respect because it's like he's like I think he's just had such an interesting career. It really has. Like yeah. it, it's been a roller coaster for him. Mm-hmm. And it's you know, thank I'm glad the production companies like Blumhouse exist yeah. because it does give like, you know, lower film not lower like yeah. lower what's the word I'm Lower produced, um, uh, yeah, like, uh, well, the thing I keep coming back to, and what I've heard it referred to is like they're like, uh, they're like a director rehabilitation, yeah, <laughs> um, where they because they, their business model is genius, right? Like, they just throw like a set figure of like low, like five, I think five million is the max, they cannot go over budget for that at all. And then they turn it around, release it, make that, and it's going to make money. Yeah, you know, oh, yeah. it'll it'll make at least twenty million dollars. Oh, absolutely. So, uh, so I I appreciate production companies like that, and I was I was glad while I did not like the visit, mm-hmm. I was glad to see people enjoying the M Night Shyamalan movie. Me too. So because yeah. you know I I still had love for his earlier works, and right. I. I don't want to see the guy go down in flames. Same like I here. want to see him make great movies. Yeah, as as someone who was a huge fan of the guy, like I want to see him succeed. Sure, like, it's an it's an interesting kind of thing. But uh, then Split happened. It's. I'll tell you what. Holy shit! Uh, straight up, mm-hmm. when I first saw the trailer for Split, I was like, "That looks fucking ridiculous." Same here. I am not gonna see that garbage. Yep. I was like. Shamlon's back to his bullshit. I'm yep. done with you. Mm-hmm. I gave you a chance, and this is what I get. Yep. Yep. Like I, because I, I was really down on the visit because I, I was so like, 
I could not connect to any of the characters. I thought like he can't like the whole time I'm sitting there thinking like none of the comic relief is landing with me. It's just well, so awkward. I just and, thought it was a found footage film coming out seven years too late. Yeah, I, I, I just do. really, I was like, we're d- I'm done with found footage, man. Yeah. I think the world is. Oh yeah. And like the whole time I'm sitting there thinking like this guy does not know how to write like dialogue. Like he yeah. does not know how humans talk. <laughs> <laughs> and like, and then I saw the trailer for split and I'm like, okay, James McAvoy's awesome. But like, the girl in the trailer is like, excuse me, sir. I think you have the wrong car. Like, okay. A stranger just got into the car. So go take it the fuck like, out of my car. Maybe freak out a little yeah. bit. Maybe act. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, have like, a, like, you know, whatever. But like watching the movie, like, I will say this and we are going to spoil split and unbreakable because we can't talk about glass. Without he was dead the entire time. Yeah. Well, yeah. Someone had to make the joke. Um, right. But, but, uh, but I like you can, you can hate on split all you want. Like that's, that's fine. That's your thing. But I don't know if I've had a the, a theater experience that kind of blew my mind the way that split has had because i had no idea what the twist was i didn't oh i had i had no twist. i had no no idea i didn't see it coming yeah my jaw hit the floor when it happened mm-hmm. and the the thing that made me sad about it though was you know i'm walking out of this movie 15 years after unbreakable mm-hmm. came out with a bunch of people that had no clue what that twist was yeah and i was just like that's david dunn <laughs> yeah oh yeah and like i remember mike on the podcast was saying like yeah i've I've had students like i have to i have to tell them like like they thought that it was just his dad or something (laughs) no but like i remember in the theater like i saw it with kirsten and like i kind of like i was just like as soon as that music started playing i was like like i vividly remember thinking like oh wow that's interesting i wonder if he got the same guy to do the score for this that he did for unbreakable Unbreakable. because that sounds like unbreakable then as it swells up i'm like Oh my god, that's unbreakable! Oh my god! Oh my god! Like I'm getting chills remembering it right now. And then like, like Kirsten was like, "What? What's going on?" I'm like, "We just watched a sequel to Unbreakable." Like, and nobody knew, and nobody knew, and she had never seen Unbreakable, and she was like, "I think she kind of just went along with it." I'm like, okay, you drove, so <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't want to set you off, but uh, but yeah, and it was just like I that was like the most. That was that was a moment where I was like, M. Night Shyamalan still has a little bit of magic. Yeah. Like, and, and you know, yeah. even before that twist, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed Split. Mm-hmm. And James McAvoy does an incredible job in that movie. Insane. In my opinion, an Oscar nomination mm-hmm. worthy job. Same. Like, here. it's like he's playing a dozen people and he yeah. does it convincingly, switching from one person oh, to yeah. the other. I just. I can't fathom doing that as an actor. Me neither. And, you know, you talk about uh, the girl scene. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you the week. What are you doing, right. sir? But I think she actually does a really good job throughout the remainder of that film. Same here. And I actually enjoy her as an actor. Like, she was in The, the Witch. The Witch, yeah. And I th- thought that she is incredible in that movie. Yeah. There's not anyone that's not incredible in, right. in The Witch, but I think she in particular is great. Yeah. And I thought she did a great job in uh, Split as well. Yeah. Like I, I walked out of Split ecstatic mm-hmm. that he made a good movie again, yeah. and ecstatic because I was like, "Am I gonna get something more? Am I gonna right. get more Unbreakable?" Yeah, because that's what I that's I've always wanted more Same Unbreakable. Here. Oh that, yeah. To and even even now after seeing Glass, Unbreakable is still my number one uh, mm-hmm. Shyamalan movie, mm-hmm. and 
the prospect. Well, first of all, I was ecstatic to have seen another movie in the universe. Right. Now I was like, give me more. Give yeah. me Unbreakable again. Oh, yeah. And so, like, a week later, they're like, yep, he's making another. Yep. I was like, yes! And, like, and I think at that point, they also announced, like, Glass is going to come out. I'm like, oh, my God, it's going to be called Glass. It's right. going to bring that together. Like, I was so amped for it. Yeah, I, was I was so excited. I was giddy. Um, and, yeah, to, to your point, uh, Unbreakable is also my favorite. Like, now it's my favorite, like, Shyamalan movie. Because uh, I really rewatched it and rewatched split in preparation for glass and like unbreakable is just on such another level it is um the, it's it's the it's subtly tense yep yep and it's just it's amazing how edge of the seat it is for such a subdued movie absolutely and it's like it follows like bruce willis is perfect for that role because like he's just this quiet unassuming kind of guy who's wrestling with like coming to terms with except not not coming to terms with the fact that he is like unbreakable coming to terms with the fact that he has to come to the decision to recognize that he's unbreakable like it's, it's and like, I, it's coming from a man that has come to accept he's mediocre yeah and then this happens mm-hmm. and the prospect of him not being mediocre is thrust upon him. Right. And he's got to make the decision. Do I embrace this or what do I do with this? Yeah. Or do I even believe this? Yeah. And also like it's, it's an interesting kind of prelude to the village's um, relationship story. Cause like the relationship with him and Robin Wright is like really good. It um, is. I, I just really loved the way that, it's it's set up like it is oh she's so cute um so he's talking uh, about the cat everybody yeah she's just laying on my little exercise bike so someone's using it (laughs) but um but anyway uh yeah so it's just a really great like you said subdued performance and like the relationship between him and robin wright it's on the rocks and and you get that from the outset and you get this kind of relationship drama unfold as they're like, while he's trying, while he's like coming to terms with his identity, he's also repairing this relationship that I thought, I thought it worked beautifully. Like the, the ending of that movie where he's carrying her up to bed yeah. and he's like, I had a bad dream. Like that's, that's like, it's a, it's amazing. It's I, incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So M. Night Shyamalan, cool stuff uh was very i was very eager for glass like sitting in the theater waiting for it to start i was sitting there thinking if he pulls this off like this this could be something really incredible in terms of film like his his filmography his trajectory of his career um so i was i was pretty pretty amped for it i was excited too and i i like I posted on my Facebook when I checked in, I was like, I have, I can't remember the last time I was excited to be in an M. Night Shyamalan movie. Same here. And I was super excited. Like every single trailer I saw, I saw coming in mm-hmm. just got me more and more pumped. I was, yeah. I was pumped. Oh, same here. So let's go into our review of Glass now three, four hours into the <laughs> Right. Um, As is so, typical. Yeah. So I'm going to read the plot description courtesy of IMDb. Uh, Glass, directed by M. Night Shyamalan, written and directed by M. Night Shyamalan. It's a security guard David Dunn uses his supernatural abilities to track Kevin Wendell Crumb, a disturbed man who has 24 personalities. Um, that's 
cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, for this review, we were, we we're going to do a non-spoiler review and then a spoiler review. Uh, Fekus, in broad terms, what did you think of Glass, and uh, how does it how does it rank with the M Night Shyamalan universe? M Night Shyamaverse. Uh, broad terms. I loved it because it gave me exactly what I was hoping to get out of it. Interesting. Now, I'm not going to tell you that it's the perfect movie and mm. he doesn't misstep here and there and step on his own uh, dialogue because he mm. does, but it brought back the characters that I loved. Mm -hmm. It had them interact in a bigger story and it brought new elements into it and the twist if you want to call it a twist at the end, sure. I, I thought it was, uh, I enjoyed it. Like, I, okay. I, I'm going to, I'm going to say, I know where people are going to gripe about this movie. I get mm -hmm. it. But for me, I loved it. So, um, and we'll talk, you know, a bit, a little bit more broad, uh, aspects of the movie. Mm -hmm. And I did have some issues with it, but I walked out of it completely happy with what I saw. Nice. I, Man, I oh, I posted a review on obsessiveviewer.com and also on my letterbox. Um, <laughs> I have so many I, – I have such complicated feelings for Glass. Um, so much so that I almost like saw it tonight again just so I could get it – have it fresh in my mind for this review. Um, and I, I probably should have seen, <laughs> seen it again. But, uh, but it was – like I said, I was so primed for it. I was so excited. There are elements of it that I was like, I was so tickled with. Like, um, uh, first of all, the, uh, the fact that they got Spencer Treat Clark back yeah. to play his son and that he is, he's David Dunn's guy in the chair. Right. I was like, I, I love that. That's awesome. I, I liked seeing where David Dunn was and yes. now in, in his, world now the, yeah. you know th this is what he has taken with mm -hmm. the revelation of who he is yeah. and this is what he's doing with his life and it's 19 years later and it's like it, it like to to kind of uh not disparage it or anything like that but like i want to see more of that <laughs> like i want to see more of those 19 years yeah. and like what like he you know to, was up to to kind of embrace the theme of the movie i feel like mm -hmm. they could have or they can still do it, uh, fill it in with a comic book series. That would be cool. I, I would totally like, I, I would be out. on board with that. Oh yeah. So, um, we'll see if it happens. I doubt it will, mm. but, um, I, I'm with you. Like I, yeah. I would 19 years is a long time for him mm. to be having, uh, the adventures as the overseer. Yeah. So I, I love that moniker. I, 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 I love, love it too. It. And I love how he you was know, like, it was better than the tiptoe man. Right. <laughs> so, and I thought, you know, we haven't seen that. I haven't seen that guy in anything since like, gladiator uh mm. so i don't know if he has been working steadily but I, it was Spencer fun to street clark yeah okay yeah he was in he was in like agents of shield and like season was one he or in something. agents of shield? I, he was yeah because i was a hard i watched agents of shield for a good few seasons mm -hmm. though hey whatever yeah. um he, he was fun in the movie yeah. and i thought he was a good uh uh, guy in the chair. Yeah, I th I think he did. He was he was better than he was as a kid. <laughs> in Umbridge, oh yeah, and the, the, the kid yeah. he's annoying to me at sometimes. I'm like, here. you little yeah. stop. But I also love that they, and I'll have to dance around this, but like they used deleted scenes from Unbreakable. Yes, they so incorporated it. 
I immediately recognized those as deleted scenes because mm-hmm. I remember watching those deleted scenes from Unbreakable when I was uh, younger. Yeah. So when I saw him come and talk to him in his room, I was like, oh, my God. Or when uh, Elijah at the amusement park, I was like, oh, my God, that they're, they're using that. That's the one that, like, it had been so, like, because I was obsessed with M. Night Shyamalan. Um, like, like I remember going like online and like buying into some ridiculous like theory that, uh, or like there was a rumor that ended up being a hoax that it was like, oh, he's going to come out with a time travel movie called Tempest Fugit. And it's, yeah. And it's like, this is like right after the village, I think. And I was like, oh my God, that sounds amazing. Time travel. That's amazing. <laughs> and then it was a, it was a complete hoax from some. Right dude online posted it but uh like they made like this rudimentary like uh poster art for it and stuff i was so disappointed stupid internet but yeah but uh but I, yeah but i remember seeing that uh the lead scene originally and thought i, I really wanted that to be in the movie because i think that's a great which one the carnival the, or carnival, the one. carnival one yeah because and- i think that gives such a mm-hmm. good look into what could have broken this kid yeah and like the hard life that he lived. Right. Um, absolutely. And like, I had a weird experience where I was like watching that and then I couldn't remember if I saw it on the DVD, like saw the actual deleted scene or if I had read the script or something. Cause like there was a time where I was like reading like full length. Right. And like, I couldn't remember it. And I was just sitting there thinking like, this is a, this is so weird. Cause like 19 years ago, I was very deeply invested in this world, in this, in this filmmaker's work with this particular thing. And I'm like, it's, it's not quite nostalgia, but it was like this weird anchoring I had with, it, the, with to the me, class. it was more a, uh, deja vu feeling. Yes. Yes. With that. Mm-hmm. So, but I, I appreciated the use of it. Mm-hmm. I thought, I thought it was brilliantly used. Yeah. So, and we'll dance around spoilers until we get to spoilers, but, um, the movie has a few distinct acts. Like the first, we, we have kind of a prologue with David and, and the beast. Um, and then we have the majority of the movie taking place in the hospital. And then we have the finale. Right. Um, the showdown between David and, and, and Kevin, like that whole, the whole prologue is exactly what I wanted out of Yes. I, I, that pro, the first meeting between the beast and David is mm-hmm. amazing. So cool. Like that fight sequence inside the, the factory mm-hmm. was just fantastic. And I loved how it brought the obsession the beast had for David. Mm-hmm. And because the, you see that obsession that in, was the, so cool. in the second act mm-hmm. and it's just confused, confuses, uh, Kevin. Yeah. And it was like, no, no, there, there can't be some, right. like, I'm a prophetic entity. There's no right. way there's a match for me. Yeah. And it becomes an obsession for him. And I, I kind of wish there was more of that in the movie. There's, there's plenty of it, but I kind of wish that that was a bigger part of the movie. Um, cause I, I'm, I'm so interested in that aspect of me it. Too. Cause it's, and James McAvoy is, so hey, he, he kills it again. And yeah. I'll say it right now. That's an Oscar worthy performance. Mm-hmm. Now the, the movie's not going to be mentioned in any type of award ceremony right. names, but that performance is ridiculously amazing. Absolutely, and he ups the ante with it. Like he does. It's like like rewatching Split and then going into Glass. It's like it's like they know that it's like they know what they have with James right, McAvoy, yeah. and it's like just we got to showcase this. Oh yeah, and he's brilliant. 
Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, and Bruce Willis, I think that he, he's granted, he's not really given a lot in the movie in terms of, of compared to like James McAvoy. Right. Well, Um, you know, in the second act, he's, he's not given a lot. And he's kind of putting on putting by the wayside a little bit, yeah. Because the focus is really on Kevin and on Elijah, right? Which okay, I get. Yeah, uh, you're trying to really introduce these two characters because they're going to be the catalyst for uh, the third act, right? And we had the whole prologue was centered on right. David, so it's 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 a juggling act. Yeah. Like they have three, like the movie is three three points of view, three main characters plus. Uh, I almost wanted to call her Ellie Sadler. Um, uh, plus the uh, paleobotanist. That yeah, they had. yeah. Uh, Staples, um, Doctor Staples. Um, so it's, it, there's a lot to do. <laughs> I think I read. Uh, yeah, and we'll we'll talk about some of the not backlash, but I have I have some thoughts. But anyway, um, I read where it's like, oh, the this hospital only has two orderlies and stuff. I'm like, okay. It's a Blumhouse movie. Yeah. They don't have a high budget. Like, first of all, I, I feel like that's kind of explained in the twist. Yeah, because I had a lot of those questions too mm-hmm. at first, and then I'm then it's like, okay, all right. That, to me, that that's legit because yeah. it's not based on reality, folks. Mm-hmm. So there's you got to have to take a little step right. away from reality. Uh, but no, I yeah. I, I agree what that critique was, but I think it was natural to the twist at the end. Sure. In my opinion. Yeah. Um, um I, I did yeah. enjoy her scenes. I thought she mm-hmm. was good in her role. I thoroughly enjoyed a lot of the scenes that she had as a, a psychologist one-on-one with the characters. Yes. I thought those I'm, were really good scenes. I'm glad you said that because I, I had like, I, I was texting Mike like after the movie, like, like, uh, uh, like Mike and I, saw the movie at the same time, but in different locations. Gotcha. Like he's in Evansville right. and in Indianapolis. And like, as I'm walking out of the theater, he sends me a text saying like quick thoughts on glass. <laughs> and like, I'm sitting in the parking lot texting, like, like my immediate reaction. And then like, I drive home and like, I kind of like, eye my phone. I'm like, I, I'm, I've got like, I've like, I see the blinking light. And I'm like, so like giddy. Cause I'm like, I'm like, once I get home, I'm going to open the text. And I'm gonna, <laughs> we're going to have a conversation. Um, and then like, I parked my car and I sat in my car for like 15 minutes, just texting Mike back and forth. <laughs> um, and it's just like he had some issues with the hospital sequences and in the stuff with with Staples and uh, her interactions with them, which I kind of get, but I'll get into that in spoilers um, because the internet has kind of ran with them and kind of i I feel like I feel like I'm going to end up championing champ- championing this movie uh, from people who are just so primed to hate on it because it's M Night Shyamalan. Well. A couple, here's a couple things. First mm. off, uh, I hate to say it, but I don't care how it does financially and I don't care what people say because mm. I got the movie that I wanted. Nice. Um, that's probably not a great way to look at it because right. after seeing this movie, I do want, uh, Shyamalan to continue. And I mm. think it's going to be a su- financial success. It didn't win it the box is, office. I so yeah. I think in that course, I'll, I'll win as well. But you know, say what you, you can say what you want about the movie. 
I, I liked it for what it was and I got exactly what I wanted out of it. So I'm happy with it. Um, walking out of the theater too, I, I kind of had a fun, uh, interaction. I, I went to go see it by myself, which okay. I, I typically do anymore. Sure. And so I'm walking out and this, uh, younger kid, he's probably, probably low twenties, high teens, maybe. Okay. And he's, we're kind of like parallel walking out and he mm-hmm. just kind of goes, and you can tell he's kind of like socially awkward. Sure. And he's like, so. So what'd you think? And I was like, man, I, I really enjoyed it. I really dug it. Nice. He goes, man, me too. It was so good. I loved every second of it. Man, I just had, it was so much fun. And so nice. I had a fun little conversation with this, with this kid as I was walking out of the theater. So I, you know, I, I, I kind of like stuff like that, but that's awesome. Uh, I'm trying to look up this whole thing. Um, God, Slash Film did a lot of, uh, glass coverage. But anyway, um, you know, real yeah. quick, there was one review that I did read a blurb from that pissed me off. Okay. Cause if you didn't like the movie, that's fine. Right. And talk about why you didn't like the movie. Mm-hmm. But the blurb the guy had for it was, I'm not sure Shyamalan's past film history is enough to make up for this. I don't think this movie is enough to make up for. It's like, you can't judge the movie on the other movies you thought were bad. If you didn't like this movie, that's fine, but don't decide to not like it because you didn't like these other movies. Right. So that, that pissed me off. That that, (laughs) it's funny that, yeah, I 100% agree with you there. Um, I did find myself kind not really on a much, much, much smaller scale. Um, think about that when I was talking about, uh, annihilation in the year in review episode, because I kept thinking, I kept saying, uh, um, uh, I, I kept saying like, Oh, it didn't affect me the way that ex machina did. <laughs> um, but it's a different, like that, that's like, I saw a, um, an article on slash film that this guy, like I was, I, I read half the article. Like I was so annoyed with it that I just stopped because like the, the blurb and I'm trying to find it here. They post so much stuff. Um, it was something like, uh, glass is, glass is a total failure and here's why. And it's like, it's, it's not though. <laughs> like, yeah. It's sure. not, you cannot like it. That's fine. But you can't call it a failure it's when a it's failure. a financial success. It's a, yes. Uh, Glass is a massive failure after Split and The Visit. Let's break down how this movie fails. It's like, it's not a failure, though, because it's it's financially viable. It's relatively well-received, and it's got mixed reviews, but I mean... To, to be honest, I expected... I walked into this movie thinking people were going to probably bash it, mm-hmm. but I think that comes from people bashing it because of his past films. I think right. there's a bias that people still look at there. And I, you know, I find that annoying. Yeah, uh, totally. That, that, you know, I just, there's filmmakers that I think are shit that have made some good movies. Right. That I think that I will come out and say, that's a hell of a movie. I don't know what the rest Absolutely. of his, what happened with the rest of his movies, but I, I really enjoyed that. And this may be a bigger discussion too, but like how much of that is, like, is that, what, what is that? Like, what, is like, that, is that pressure from your editor? Is yeah. that what you think the readers want to hear? Yeah. I, I I don't know. Is it a more personal thing that you've spent so much time, uh, kind of just like, um, demolishing this, this person's career that like anything, anything that could possibly be redeeming in your eyes for that filmmaker 
like is just so far a scan uh, a, a scan is that the word mm-hmm. so sure. far yeah so far away from like your preconceived notion that you can't reconcile mm-hmm. the fact that he did something good without tarnishing your right like yeah. your it's like idea. i i've written dozens of articles about this guy yeah. being a shit so right. And uh, let's go. Let's go into spoilers because I want to bring up a couple of things in this article in, in the first half of this article because <laughs> I did not read the rest of it. It's like God. It's so <laughs> it's so irritating to me because it's like it's it, it reads like someone who is so just. It's 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 pedantic, really. It's just it's just so like, oh, I didn't like this movie, so I'm gonna just gripe about everything, even though it's contradictory to what, uh, to what the actual point of the film is, and like, oh, Bruce Willis had more gray hair than he should have had. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, it's not in it. I don't know. It could be in it, but it's like, oh, he had he had a white beard at, in in class, but at the end of Split, he didn't have any facial hair. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's just uh, so dumb. But anyway, um, any non-spoiler thoughts before we go into spoilers for Glass? I, just that um, the third act, I think the the final action yeah. sequence I thought was very well done. But mm. I felt like the dialogue is where they had the biggest missteps there. Yeah. The dialogue in the, in, in the third sequence came off a little too comic book-y. It did, yeah. I'll I'll agree with you there. And also, it kind of crammed in. Like there, there are a few things that it kind of crammed in that that was crammed into it that I just didn't. I feel like it it wasn't structured properly. Like we get the big set piece and everything, the the kind of action sequence and everything, if you will. But then there's so many other things that are added to it. That's like the signature Shyamalan style, yeah. which. On paper makes sense to me, but I've found it to be kind of problematic. But fair enough. Uh, but yeah, so we'll go into spoilers for Glass. Uh, I'll play a bit from the trailer, um, and then when we get back, we are going to be spoiling Glass. So uh, yeah, if you haven't seen Glass and want to skip the spoilers, check the show notes for our timestamps uh, to skip over to Potpourri. Um, you can find the show notes in your podcast app or at obsessiveviewer.com/ov269. <laughs> Um, here's the trailer I need your abilities to get us all out of here and show the world we exist that sounds like the bad guys teaming up do you believe you are an avenging angel partner I'm an avenger I have to get out of here before he gets out. They are contained. They always underestimate the mastermind. It has begun, David. I found someone who will require your full potential. Okay, so spoilers on for Glass. And if you'll indulge me for just a second, I want to bring up this bit from uh, from this article um, that just really rubbed me the wrong way. Um, it's about the hospital sequence. Okay. And about uh, Staples trying to convince them that they're not, you know, superhuman. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Where okay. Cause I'm going to have something to say about that, uh, that portion. Okay. Uh, me too. So 
which is good since yeah. we have should have things to say about the movie that <laughs> exactly. we were reviewing. Um, okay, so here we go. Uh, up to this point, I was kind of on board with Glass. This is quoting from the article. It's important to note here that this is much more of a sequel to Split. When I saw McAvoy uh, build above both Willis and Jackson, I was surprised, but it makes sense. He's the main character again and the only one who truly begins to doubt his own superpowers. But here's the rub, and it's something Chris Evangelista hit upon in his review at Slash Film. Uh, quote within a quote, uh, quote section. Um, <laughs> I know these characters have superpowers. I've seen Unbreakable. I've seen Split. There is no debate here. David Dunn and Kevin Wendell Crumb, within the context of this universe, have superpowers. Unbreakable specifically is about David Dunn accepting his identity. Split is about a character whose personalities are just waiting for him to embrace his own. The opening of Glass suggests that both men accept who they really are. So why do we need to watch another movie with these characters doing the exact same thing? And, uh, I feel like that is a categorically like misread of the entire movie. Right. Like, I, I agree. I, I was so, and there's a theory that I've been, that's been bouncing around my head that I'll talk about later, but I feel like that is the entire point of the movie. Like these, these people, these men have, have, uh, they, they've gone through hell to discover their identity and discover who they are and, and accept the, this power. And then the idea that someone could come in and make them doubt that that's a very compelling thing. Like what if you really were just brutally like beating the shit out of people? <laughs> what if you are psychologically yeah. damaged exactly. and like you have embraced some grandeur that is just not real. Exactly. Like they, they touch on it. David Dunn, mm -hmm. it, Elijah, like you've been beating up petty crooks. Yeah. Okay. You, that's all you've been doing. You've mm -hmm. been fighting thieves and just, you know, YouTubers. they, right. <laughs> yeah. He, he beats up a couple of teenagers yeah. uh, at the beginning of the film and you could see where some mm -hmm. delusional person yeah. would find himself to be a superhero. And those scenes are so deliberately shot to showcase him as this like terrifying thing. Cause like he is completely in shadows. He turns out the yeah. lights. He's like that, that scene where he gets into the house with the, with the YouTubers when they're looking at the, the footage and everything. I was like, holy shit, this dude, like, like the overseer. Yeah. It's like he's, he's, he's terrifying. I, it reminded me a bit of like Batman. Like he uses fear. Right. Um, yeah. So that just, I, I, I have just kind of a problem with, People saying like, oh, well, it doesn't make sense for them to doubt it. It's like that's the entire point of the movie. And I, I'll be honest. Like I, I really enjoyed the psych the, the analysis sequences mm -hmm. to the point where I'm like sitting there thinking she's making a lot of sense here. Same here. Like the whole like red brick thing. Right. On the, on the, and on I'm the sitting thing. here. I'm like it almost had me down. I was like, oh, yeah. man, was this like a double blind? Mm -hmm. so, like. I would have been okay with the movie, like revealing, like, oh no, superheroes aren't real. Right? What are you talking I, I, about? That would have been a very compelling twist mm. as well. Yeah. Um. So I I agree with you that he is way off base yeah. there. I oh, just yeah. I don't understand it. It sounds like I'm going to find something to hate about this part here. Exactly. And this is exactly. this is what I'm going to latch on to. Yeah. And uh, there was other stuff in it, but it's just it's so aggravating. Um. Yeah, I'm not gonna screw it. Um, and it was, I, I like that she like there with Kevin. Mm -hmm. Since you know you have like twelve or fourteen distinct personalities that they showcase right. in the movie, 
there's a couple of personalities that start to buy into what she's saying and the others like, uh, uh-uh, uh, uh-uh, we're the beast, the beast of the beast. Mm-hmm. And I like that aspect of it too. Like there's some personalities that are buying into, uh, the doctor. There's some that yeah. are adamant that she is incorrect and the beast is true to form. Yeah. So I, I think that's a very compelling sequence. Yeah. And, and uh, I love that Elijah, the entire is like, fuck you. No, I'm right. Uh, uh, First name, I, Mr. Last name, yeah. Glass. It's like, like I was replaying that in my head. It's like, that's, that's so badass cheesy. Right. Like, I, I dig it. Yeah. Um, here's the other thing that like, this is, this is what, in my opinion, in this article on, again, on slash film feels like, I, I don't want to say it invalidates the whole thing, but the tone of it is just like, clearly like, okay, they are just looking for shit to just throw at this movie. Right. Um, Let's see. Uh, quote, they agree to work together, or as Elijah puts it, that sounds like the bad guys teaming up to prove that superpowers are real. That requires a fight between David and Kevin in a public place, specifically the soon to open skyscraper, Osaka Tower. Uh, parentheses, when we first learn of the Osaka Tower, it's via a magazine cover that dubs it a true Marvel. Get it? Because you see, Marvel is a famous comic book company, as insightful a reference as oh. that sounds like the bad guys teaming up. Like, what? Like, that's not constructive. Yeah. I, Con- yeah, that that is just nitpick for the sake of nitpick. A- absolutely. Um so yeah, we'll we'll not we'll not read any more quotes from yeah. that. But um <laughs> I did I did have um random like not randomly, but like as I was kind of putting together my thoughts about the the end of the movie and, and I'll have to bounce around because I have other points to bring up, but um the whole, like, oh, I'm going to go, like, we're going to go to this tower and we're going to set off this chemical thing. Like, it's a very comic book scale thing. Right. And then, like, and then I realized it's a Blum hospital. Like, they can't do that. Like, so they stay in the grounds of the hospital. So here, here was my thought on that whole thing. I so wonder if the, it's going to be the same thing. I don't go know. Ahead. I keep, they keep building this up, building this <laughs> up. And my biggest thought is a Simpsons episode. Yes. Is that that's exactly what I thought. <laughs> that and i was just like yeah i mean that's really how it felt right um but yeah and because like i was thinking like when when kevin is about to like like there's that opening feel it's like oh shit now he's gonna go right it's like it doesn't <laughs> they can't get to the factory. No, no, I was. I'm, I'm so happy someone yeah. else thought about this random Simpsons ref- right. reference. Oh, oh that's, that's good. Great. Um, but yeah, so let's let's save the finale for for later because I want to talk about his uh his cameo and it like this is where I go off the deep end with theories and everything because like one of the things that i loved about the um hospital sequence like like as it's happening when they're in that that room that was in the promotional like the first promotional still with like light lighting wise it's beautiful um like when they're doing that and like when she's like leading them to believe that like doubting themselves i started thinking of this theory in my head that like i was thinking like oh my god is is the Unbreakable Trilogy, which apparently it's called the East Rail 177 Trilogy, uh, per M. Night Shyamalan, but okay. yeah. Um, but like, I'm like, is, is this whole trilogy, like, is this him, is this M. Night Shyamalan 
working through his ego versus his career. Like, cause you think about it, um, unbreakable split, like the lead up to glass is like, these people are superhuman. They are unbreakable. They are split. (laughs) They are, they are glass. They're glass. Um, but they are these, these people who went through hell to realize that they have this, this incredible ability within them. Um, that is just itching to be just brought out. And so we have the conceit of like, these are superhuman people that are like vastly more, more than average. Um, then you get the scene in the hospital where we have the doctor putting like doubt in them. So like, like I was sitting there thinking like, what if this is like a metaphor for M night Shyamalan? Like he started out, like he's like, was lauded praise upon him. Like he had this, like he was this gifted director. And then as he created more movies, (laughs) doubt seeped in. And like, now he's trying, now he has to reconcile. Like, is he the prodigy that, that that media, I, I'm, Seeing the sequence mm-hmm. that you're connecting, um, yeah. might be a little meta. Yeah, I think so too. Also, but also, he's not a subtle guy. He really isn't. Um, and like, if, if he, if it turned out that he was drowned in a puddle, like, <laughs> I'd be like, oh my God, he's a genius. <laughs> but, um, but he, maybe. It may be subtly yeah. uh, something like that. May, maybe more cathartic for him to work through it than anything so else, or maybe even kind of subconscious. Even it could, yeah, yeah, maybe. But the other side of that is his cameo. I feel like that's a little bit of his ego shining back in. <sighs> okay, so yeah. let's talk about his cameo yes. here. I thought I would have been okay with just if it were just M. Night Shyamalan coming in to buy security cameras right. or even just the connection between split and, and that. Yeah. That's fine. That's sure. uh, okay. I get it. But Hey, I remember you. <laughs> I used to be in some bad things. I was just, that was, that was silly. Did I was you, like, I, I did not need that. Did you view it as a meta commentary on his career too? Cause he's like, Oh, you know, back in the day I messed around. No, with that I think it was but him trying to turn my life around. I think he's trying to articulate that David Dunn really was right when he touched him in the, uh, in the, in the stadium. Uh, stadium. Like, uh, I, okay. I, I think that, I, I think that was M. Night Shyamalan doing sometimes what he does to his own detriment. Okay. Just trying to connect too much. Writing. <laughs> <laughs> I just I I would have been fine with that cameo had it been mm-hmm. it's like oh someone was murdered in my building it's like okay it's it's he's yeah. the same cameo he's making from Split cool right I, I, but then to like hey you worked at Stadium yeah like okay if you want to connect it to that and show that like oh David Dunn has has done well for like citizens and stuff don't be that like on the surface right like, have have a scene where he walks out of the walks out of it and runs into someone's like oh hey you you holding or whatever and then be like no i don't do that anymore i turn my life around yeah um like don't like be this cheesy just goofy like he just thing. tossed a sledgehammer at that and yeah it was just it it was yeah too much for me there but i did find myself reconciling that or or coming to terms with that by saying that 
like I was sitting there thinking like, oh, really? This guy is just going to notice the security guard from 19 years ago who happened to touch him and like made him freak out about that. Patted him down. Patted him down. But then on the other hand, like I I was like, okay, I could nitpick that. Or I can just accept that, okay, maybe M. Night Shyamalan's character, that's where he hung around. That's where he did his drug deals and stuff. Uh, he worked at. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. David Dunn worked at the stadium. You know, for this this drug years. dealer apparently decides to only deal drugs at college football games. So that's a 18 week uh, career every year <laughs> he's got, one day a week. Sure. Maybe if they get a bowl game in, he'll get an extra day. No. I. That's fair. That's fair. Um, I know I have to explain sports to you with that, yes. but uh, um, like a cereal bowl, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so there was that, and uh, yeah, what? Where should we bounce to next? I I think you go straight to the third act. Okay. Um, this is where I was mo. There there are two like big reveals in it, and I'll talk about this one quick because this is a brief one but the whole connection of kevin and his dad being on the train and how yeah i'm still on the fence of whether or not that works for me i Uh, yeah i don't my first reaction is i don't hate it Mm -hmm. but i'm trying to see if still trying to decide if it was necessary same here it's like I get okay. The comparison I'm gonna make is it feels like M. Night Shyamalan watched Scream Three and saw the clip in that movie of Randy having a video that he gave his sister. The most forced, awkward kind of scene that doesn't fit in the movie at all. But he's it's basically a video of Randy from Beyond the Grave telling the rules of a trilogy um, because he's like he's like he oh I, okay yeah. I'll- I've only seen like those movies once ish. So, oh, okay. but I, I got, I, I know yeah, the reference. So he's now, yeah. telling the rules of a trilogy in case there's another killer down the road, which there is, as there's a third movie and a fourth. And, yeah. And, and yeah. And in that, the fourth one's actually really good. But, um, the, in that he's like, okay, so, uh, the villain, the, the killer's always superhuman. And then there's always some, uh, something that connects back to the first one. There's always something like, like, uh, Jedi, Godfather, they all do this. Like, uh, I don't know if he said Godfather, but anyway, he's like something that connects it, some some deep secret hidden in your past that that is going to be revealed. And like, it felt like he was like, it felt like it was like Sean I've got to do that. Yeah, it was like he was jotting notes while watching right. that scene. <laughs> but it just felt like it. You, I, I get it. You have to have a reason for yeah. the beast to turn on Elijah, mm-hmm. and may and maybe that's a decent uh, way to do it. I did like the sequence showing. Uh, Kevin's dad on the train as it uh, sequenced over to David. That so was I, cool. I did really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'm probably 55, 60% on board with uh, that revelation. Yeah. I think it's not the best, but yeah, I'll allow it. The more I think about it is not, not so much that I was, I had a problem with it as, as a concept because I, I like it as a concept, but the reveal, the, and I wouldn't even say necessarily the reveal, um, the build up to the reveal. Like we have scenes where, like, where uh, Joseph, David's son, like real, like, like learns it. And he's like, oh no! And then we don't see what it is. And then, and then Elijah learns it, and he's like, oh my god! And we still don't know what it is. Right. And then 
it's built up to where like, oh, the big reveal is like, oh, his dad was on the train. And it's like Elijah also like happened to create him uh, in a weird I, way. No, I do like that concept, though. I, I do, too, as a concept. Yeah. But I just feel like in execution, it was like I didn't feel that. And maybe this is the point. I didn't feel that whole like, oh, my God, Shyamalan just just threw the wool over our heads and like just blew my mind because I was like. Well, okay, sure. I mean, fine. I think part of the weak uh, weakness for that was part of my problem with the third act, and that was mm-hmm. with dialogue. Yeah, that too. I, I I feel like it got kind of hokey and mm-hmm. a little too comic booky. Elijah's whole like, oh no, you don't have to tell him about right, it. Right? Yeah. Like that felt kind of out of place. It it did. Um, it, it wasn't enough to ruin the third act for me, sure. but it was enough for me to like, eh. Yeah. And the more I think about like talking it out, I kind of feel like maybe, maybe my reaction to it is, is what was intended because like, okay, it's not that big of a shock or anything, but I feel like maybe, maybe the point was to just do that and then lull you into thinking like, oh, that's, that the, was the, that's twist. the twist. Yeah. I could, I could get behind that. Yeah. But the actual twist. <laughs> Uh, now I'm going to defend the twist. Okay. This is the most divisive part of the movie, I think, Probably. in terms of everyone. I'm still wrestling with – I'm still I'm still trying to get my head out of the puddle on this <laughs> one. Um, on what – okay. So if you're – First of all, I, yeah. I can't – I'm impressed that they ju- they killed David. All of them. Yeah, all of them. Yeah. I think David most, most of yeah. all. Yeah. I am too, and I think that that's what I'm wrestling with because it felt like all three of their deaths were so unceremonious, and maybe that's the. Point. I think that's the point, though. Yeah, I really think that's the and point. That's what I'm struggling with. So, for the big reveal, is that the entire time Doctor Staples has been part of a covert organization that's been mm-hmm. trying to keep the revelation of super beings out of the public uh, eye. Right. So t- as to make sure people conform, don't go above their station, right. don't unsettle, the, don't rock the boat. Yeah. Which don't at- go making Ghostbusters movies. <laughs> <laughs> I, l- I appreciate that concept. Yeah. And I think that is a really well based in reality concept mm-hmm. because in the real world, if this were to be reality, if super beings were to walk amongst us, right. I honestly think that uh, there would be a movement to try to keep them, uh, keep them down, keep mm-hmm. them so they don't affect the status quo. Right. And I, I really do. And I like that they played that out in a manner of which are they saying, Hey, we've been doing this a long time. Mm-hmm. We're trying something new. Yeah. We're trying to do it in a nonviolent way because in, in a whole, I don't see the organization as inherently evil. I see it as doing something that they think they need to do to keep the world going. Mm. And in the same token, they're trying to do it in a way where it doesn't destroy people's lives. And so let's give this doctor a chance to do it in a manner that's actually going to be civil. Mm -hmm. And that was what this whole experiment was. They gave Dr. Staple the opportunity to be able to try to convince these super entities Mm -hmm. that they are not super entities. But we already know that they're super entities. And at the same time, they develop a, a manner of, I guess the machine was a, a way of I feel diminishing like, their abilities. I think the machine was just going to lobotomize them. I feel like that was probably going to be it, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I don't know. Like, 
on paper, I really like that concept. And I like the idea of us going through 2.5 movies, 2.75 movies with these characters in this world that's this, this heightened reality where we like are seeing like grounded, super powered people. And then just to have that washed away because of what it like, like you watch Unbreakable, you think like, oh my God, this guy is a superhero. Like he's an actual super, like his fucking costume is a rain poncho from his job. <laughs> this is so cool. Poncho protects him from the water, which is. is yes. But, and, uh, but then, but she, that. she hits on it though in their sessions. Mm-hmm. Why would it only be localized to Philadelphia guys? Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that, in my mind makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be localized to one right. city. There's 7 billion people on this yeah. planet. If there's one superpowered person, there's bound to be more. Yeah. And on this flat earth, there's 7 billion people. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I like, I like that connection there mm-hmm. that, Hey, look, dummies, do you yeah. see any super people anywhere else? You think that they just happen to come to Philadelphia? That's yeah. Yeah. So I feel like rewatching it, that'll, I'll, I'll be into that. So the reveal works for me. The part of the reveal that doesn't work for me, which it's, it's me nitpicky because sure. I think it's a trope that is used too often. And I think the trope is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. If I'm part of a secret organization that I'm trying to keep away from the public eye, <laughs> I'm not going to brand myself with the logo <laughs> of said secret organization. That yeah. drives me nuts. Yeah. Not only are you going to brand, I'm not going to brand it on my hand. Hey, what's that? Oh, uh, um, nothing, nothing. Don't know. worry. Don't, don't yeah. just got to kill this guy. Right. Uh, so, and I get it. That, that's, a common trope, so yeah. I, I'm not going to hate on them too much, but it annoys me. For, sure. Maybe from a, I don't know, maybe it's part of my law enforcement background. Sure. Where, where I'm like, no, if you're going to be that smart and covert about it, you're not going to brand it on you. Right. So that that was my only gripe with the secret organization, but I, to me as a yeah. whole, I think the twist works well, and I love how it plays out with the three people in our heroes and villains' lives mm-hmm. facilitating the reveal to the world. I, okay, yes. I, I think that that, I, I like that the supporting characters in the three movies for the three characters are just like teaming up. Like, I, I like that as, I like that idea. But also, I, I heard this talked about on another podcast, but it also kind of, it makes Elijah kind of the hero in the sense that he's like, un- like he is, he's sacrificing. I'm gonna defend it. Yeah. I'm gonna defend it because, and let's be real, this is mm-hmm. kind of a comic book movie. Sure. Comic book villains go back and forth mm-hmm. between hero and villain constantly. That's that's fair. That is totally fair. Um, like it's, it, that's a very Magneto turn. Yeah. For Elijah. Yeah, but I. I yeah, part of me is just like he murdered a bunch of people. <laughs> so did Magneto. Yeah, I'm saying I mean, yeah. th- these comic villains are over the top to begin with. Like yeah. they, in all reality, Joker's a geno- genocidal maniac, right. not a homicide. He's a genocidal yeah. maniac. He's also pretty damaged. Yeah, <laughs> okay, <God damn> it. <laughs> so it's it's not out of the ordinary for a villain that has committed mass murder to mm. turn to a a hero status. Sure. So I, I think that's very fitting with the concept mm-hmm. that the movie is, is in with the comic book realm. That's fair. And also, uh, 
I do I do like that uh David kind of has his hero moment where he's like grabs the beast off of Elijah and he's like like he does his I don't remember what he says but he's like pick on someone your own size or something like that. <laughs> Was that one of the things that you were like okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I dug it. I don't I, know. I I did like though Elijah's comment about, you know, the heroes uh, Yeah. The, the hero saving the villain or something like that, but yeah. I, I did enjoy that. It's funny because I could have done without that line. Oh, fair. <laughs> yeah, like I kind of just like it because it's like it's the overseer being the overseer. Like he is, he's like he's doing like he's. I mean, that's a very yeah. comic book thing to say. Exactly. So, but the the fight sequence again in the mm-hmm. I thought was great. Oh, like yeah. the the big bash between the, mm-hmm. the the overseer and the beast was fantastic. Yeah, like I thought they did a great job, just really making it feel impactful right like it was and first of all i i don't know how they did it but the like the gallop that the beast does god yeah that's ridiculous i i mean i feel like that has to have been cgi maybe it wasn't but it looked incredible it it really did like in like in the trailers like i saw that i was like holy fuck this looks like I don't know if James McAvoy did that. I don't know. There's how no way they James McAvoy. I, I, he's a lot of things, but he's probably <laughs> not also a world class parkour artist, right? Um, or if it was a stunt double, or like you said, if C- it was CGI. Yeah. But like, man, that was that was just so cool. Like yeah. that, like purest terms. Like that was just cool. And they do a great job. Like James McAvoy is not a big guy by any means, right? But they do a great job of making him look so powerful absolutely and transitioning from a character like mm-hmm. his nine-year-old character right. to the beast and it's a, that's the same person now yeah. there's some cgi at work with some of sure. his muscle muscle tone and texture mm-hmm. but it's he's still imposing yeah in one scene and childlike in another and it's, I, it's incredible it's incredible yeah. that and uh yeah I, something else about him oh i Okay, I I like the like I was so glad that I could just just suspend my disbelief with this because the whole light thing just felt really weird but the way that it was demonstrated where it's like like each flash of the light yeah. brings forth another personality like it just visually looked amazing. I yeah, I I really enjoyed those sequences yeah. as well. And I like how each one has their own kind of like thing that they have to overcome. Like Elijah is sedated. Uh uh Kevin has the has the lights that's that's you know keeping him from being like you know split um and then David has the water thing that's like even like I kind of wish that the movie would have went the route of being like they're not actually like superhuman because like I love the psych- the psychiatric kind of thing of like okay well he thinks that his weakness is water so let's just let's just threaten him with water and that'll keep him in place um, but yeah, uh, I think that would have been hard. It, it, again, I'm I'm like you. I, I would have. That's a cool concept to explore. Yeah. I think that would have been hard to make it a climactic ending. Yeah, me too. So, yeah. um, I I did like Samuel Jackson. I thought was amazing too as, mm-hmm. as Elijah. I thought like his yeah. reveal as to him how you know first of all seeing David mm-hmm. brought him out of his uh, comatose state. Yeah, I like that. Now there's. There's a comic book, uh, that kind of mirrors that. Okay. And it's the, the Dark Knight Returns. Okay. So in the Dark Knight Returns, Batman's been retired for several years. Mm-hmm. Joker is almost in a, a catatonic state in a mental institution. And 
something brings Batman back. Like okay. he feels the need to come back. And when he does, it's shown on TVs like Batman's back and Joker in his catatonic state kind of sees it and it, he's back. Like, awesome. and it, it's one of those things that the Joker can't be without Batman. Mm. If there's no Batman, Joker's like, there's no reason for me to be. And yeah. I feel like that was mirrored very well with Elijah and David. It's like, he's back. This is, this is starting up again. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make some plans. Right. So I really enjoyed that reveal. Yeah. And I loved the kind of diabolic way that he, he executed those plans. Oh, I know. It was, so it was cool. perfect. Yeah. It was great. Uh, so shocking when he slit the guy's throat. Like, oh, I know. That was smooth. Awesome. Oh, yeah. And he, he said something like, I need to, I need to pick the right shard or something like yeah. that. Just so cold and. Man, that was awesome. Yeah. You know what sequence I liked too a lot was when uh Elijah was getting uh wheeled out of the down the hallway by the beast and then the yeah. three orderlies come mm-hmm. and the fight is taking place in the background. Yeah. It, it's just again the the power is so cool. Yeah, it's even it's, in when he's like the beast says that you need to just roll forward and I'll take care of him or whatever. Right. Like I was like, "Man, that's awesome. Yeah. That's so cool." Um yeah, man, I I'm going to need to watch this again. I, yeah, I, I, I'll probably catch this one in the theater again, too. Yeah. Um, thankfully, A-list. But, um, <laughs> but the thing that I... Like, the, when when you said that you don't know how they could have done it if they were to reveal that it wasn't going to be... Uh, they, no one had any superpowers. Like, I was just saying, like, well, I mean, you know, they could have just had the brittle bone guy just get knocked down and die. <laughs> they could have just shot kevin and then could have just drowned david right. <laughs> um, oh whoops um, but i just I, yeah i think that that's that's the thing that i'm gonna have to wrestle with even more like the fact that they all die and they're all just so quick to be dispatched and everything i i, um, I like that part of it yeah. uh, and i'm i see where people would not but yeah. I think it's uh, very fitting to how the story ends. Yeah, in my opinion, that's fair. Because um, it's not at the at the very end of the movie. It's not about them. It's about the community of overly powered people right. recognizing that they do exist in the world. And again, another uh, kind of loose uh, theory is like I kind of wonder. Like I was. Cause I was trying to reconcile, like, what, like, what is he saying? Like, what is the point of killing them, uh, um, so quickly and everything? And then I was thinking, like, is this some kind of weird commentary he's making and Ch- Shyamalan's making on, you know, the current, like, the last 10 years of 11 years of comic book movies and how, like, it's, that's what comic book movies like comic book like go back to 2000 when uh when unbreakable came out like comic book movies were not were laughing stock they were not uh, they here. were at the forefront because mm-hmm. 2000s when x-men came out right, and x-men right. was was kind of like the catalyst like where yeah. it's like hey we might be able to do something with these comic book right. stories now right but in the intervening years like it's been just inundated with comic yeah, book movies, sure. comic book movies and I kind of, I was trying to figure out like is there a statement that Shyamalan's making with this that like okay well you know you had your comic book characters but hey you know let's fucking kill like I'm gonna kill him uh, because is it like a I don't know it I, might be you trying to find meaning where and put meaning in very where you very likely yeah. um, you, yeah. it's funny reading up on it after seeing it 
when I first saw Split and they put the twist at the end of it, I mm-hmm. thought, I, first of all, we'll go back up. I loved it, but I was like, well, it, it's, it's fun that they're just kind of connected, having a loose connecting and the, now they're going to tie together. Turns out that this was kind of the plan. Mm-hmm. Like in the, uh, sequence where David Dunn is going around in the, uh, stadium, he mm-hmm. apparently makes contact with a woman where it's, and it's shown. And I a, heard and, about that. And apparently, and apparently he's, Unbreakable is supposed to be an entirely tough movie where it did bring Kevin right as he was a, as originally a villain. written for right Unbreakable. so this that was actually thought of and apparently he, that was supposed is supposed to be the mother with Kevin in That's the stadium interesting so, I didn't know if it was like confirmed or not yeah so huh. I I can appreciate it all the more knowing mm-hmm. that that was kind of like the plan all along yeah uh that kind of blows my mind that's pretty awesome yeah it's it neat um and going back and rewatching Split this was the first time I rewatched Split since the theater and. I just, it's one of those things that like, it makes me excited to see glass again, because when you see a movie that is so, uh, that the last 10, 15, 20 minutes of the movie completely shatters, no pun intended, <laughs> uh, everything that comes before it, like going back and watching, watching it to see the, not necessarily the clues, just to recontextualize the actual film with that ending. Right is almost a completely unique experience too. Cause like rewatching split, like there's so much stuff with the doctor, uh, saying like the, he's, he's tapped into like, um, unused potential. Like this is, this is, could be the next stage of human evolution and stuff. And I'm like, this is like, this shit is, it's unbreakable. Like, yeah. <laughs> and like, there's a scene in split where the flashback for, um, Anya Taylor joys character, uh, where as a kid, she is confronting her her uncle who right. has been you know molesting her um with a shotgun in the woods and it's like it mirrors perfectly this scene in unbreakable where uh joseph has the gun and he's he's pointing it at uh at david and it's like it mirrors it it's like long a long take it's almost the same dialogue in some cases like i think i think the uncle says like if you if you uh, you're going to make me very mad if you don't do that or whatever. And like, it's similar to what David says. And you know, that was like, inspired by a real event. Really? A uh, child came up to, uh, George Reeves, um, once and George oh, Reeves was one of the people that played uh Superman back mm-hmm. in like the, er, the serial days, right. uh, with a gun. And George Reeves had to talk the kid out of shooting really? him because the kid wanted to walk up and watch a bullet bounce off his chest. And oh, I guess the way he approached it was if you, uh, you know, if you shoot me, the bullet's going to ricochet off me. It's going to hurt somebody else. And it's oh, how he got the kid to put the gun down. I had no idea. That's, yeah. that's crazy. Huh? Stupid kids. I know. Right. Ugh, Fucking geez. idiots. Um, when you it, said George Reeves, I, I like my brain was like Walter. Reed. I think I, I think like, that's I think it's George Reeves. I, th- I think you're right. I just thought of Walter Reed Medical Center. I was yeah. like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> I will say this. Yeah. Go back to your point of going back and watching it. Mm-hmm. I I was trying before the reveal, and I think it was during like the uh, second act uh, hospital sequences. Mm-hmm. I was trying to sit here and remember if uh david had touched dr staples at all because i really felt that at some point there was going to be some kind of reveal with with his power there and that that i i almost completely forgot about this aspect to it because uh yeah i i went into the movie expecting like dr staples to have some kind of nefarious right um specifically because the fucking marketing of the movie has the line when the, it's not in the movie. I don't think where David's like, so you're not just going to shake my hand and let me walk out of here. Are you? Oh, and I'm yeah, like, yeah. 
like real like watching that seeing that in the trailer, I'm like, oh, I bet that it's that's gonna come into play, right? And uh, oh, and, stupid me, I didn't even think about yeah, that. And yeah. Also, in the trailer, there's a shot of David submerged in water, and uh, Doctor Staples like reaching out, and I'm like. Like marketing, you just gave it away. Like you gave away. The dog comes home. We get it, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, but yeah, but it's still. It didn't let. Like that's not why I didn't. Well, I don't know if I even say didn't like, but like that's not why I had such uh, conflicting thoughts on the reveal at the end. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Fair but, you know, yeah. talking the movie through, I think it makes me like it even more. Nice. You know, me too, honestly. Um, and I really want to watch it again. So I might. Uh, I actually. Might. Should I see it tomorrow or should I see Escape Room? I feel like I should see something new. You should see Escape Room so you can listen to the episode. <laughs> All right. Room. That's fair. That's I fair. will say that that episode has much better audio quality than the Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse review. Oh, okay. Um, so, fair. yeah. Um, and in the future, Mike's, Mike's appearances on the podcast will have better audio. <laughs> um, yeah. So final thoughts on glass, anything, anything we didn't touch on or. I liked the relationship between the beast and, uh, Oh, what is her? Oh my God. I, I can't remember I her name in the name? movie. Casey. 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 Yeah. Casey. That sounds right. I, I really enjoyed that connection with the character. I, I did too. I, I liked it. But also, I would have liked it more if they didn't say in earlier in the movie that it's been three weeks since since Split. Because I'm like, like I wish it would have been longer. Uh, because I feel like the stuff that happens to her in Split is a lot to. It is, okay. yeah, yeah. I see what yeah. you're saying there. Also, uh, we already know that they have superpowers. <laughs> so, <laughs> moot point, dumb yeah. movie. God. Uh, but yeah, I did, I did, I liked how that came about. Um, yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, so yeah, so David Dunn's dead from fucking being drowned. I still, that's the one thing that kind of bugs me a little bit. It doesn't bug me. I, I, I enjoy it. Um, I think it definitely ends that, the whole story with, the, within this universe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm cool with that. Cause mm-hmm. to me, it was a, I got the movie I didn't know I wanted three years right. ago, and it's a good ending for these three movies that I mm-hmm. am now growing to adore. Yeah. So. Like, it would be so interesting to go back in time to 2000, 2001, when, like, I personally loved Unbreakable, and, like, I was all about it. Like, I, I would love to go back and talk to myself then and be like, hey, how would you – like – you know, because even at the time, Shyamalan was saying like, "Oh, he has an idea for a trilogy." Right. Yeah. And like, uh, like I would love to go back and be like, "What do you think a trilogy is going to look like for him?" Right. It, it would not look like this nothing, at all. It, like nothing like this. Be so off. Yeah. I'd be yeah. so off base. Yeah. Uh, just really interesting. It would just be a typical what we now expect out of superhero yeah. movies. Oh yeah. So, and that's all the more I can appreciate for what he did mm. because he, you know, if it had gotten to the big climax at the the new building it would have mm-hmm. just been a typical superhero yeah. movie and that's just not what it needed to be so yeah. it would have been it would have been a marvel get it marvel uh, marvel it's a marvel um yeah yeah <laughs> can't believe it didn't take place in dc <laughs> jesus <laughs> oh god so yeah, so anyway, uh yeah, we're running long. Yeah, we are. Yeah, uh that's a review of Glass. 
Um, yeah, when I'm excited to see it again, and uh, yeah, will you own it? Oh, without a doubt. Nice. Yeah, with that, without a doubt, nice. I'll buy it the day it comes out. Yeah, will you get it from a Walmart? Disc, disc plus uh, digital. <laughs> I won't. I won't. I, it turns out I don't like my DVDs chewed on before yeah. I, I buy them. Uh, I, I'm not going to go into context. Yeah. Uh, really quick, Potpourri. Do you have time? Nah. No? Okay. Yeah. Because we watch season on. three of Daredevil. Fuck you, Disney, for canceling. <laughs> End of review. Nice. Um, I saw on the basis of <laughs> sex. I just wanted to say that again. Check my review on Letterboxd. I didn't like it that much, but I think it's more just me being grumpy. Um, yeah. So anyway, uh, that does it for this episode. All right. Make uh, Shyamalan great again. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, I think next time on the podcast, me and Tiny are going to do a double review bonus episode of Fire and Fire Fraud, uh, the two documentaries on Netflix and Hulu about the Fire Festival debacle of 2017. This is an incredible, incredible story. It's, it's so. It's jaw dropping. Yeah, it's jaw dropping. Um, <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> All right, that'll do it for this episode. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. And now, here's a short clip from our Patreon-exclusive RSS feed. To hear the full clip and more exclusive Patreon content, go to patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer and become a patron at the minimum rate of $1 per month. Thank you and enjoy. I feel like he and I are kindred spirits. Probably. You should tweet him that like 20 times a day. (laughs) I should and I do. Yeah, okay. Um, Yeah. Uh, You know, for a while there, I... uh, I watched the episode of South Park mm-hmm. where they make fun of Russell Crowe by giving him a, a, a TV show where it's Russell Crowe fight, making music, making <laughs> no, making movies, making songs, fighting around the world. Mm-hmm. So, like in my infinite wisdom, uh, for like a month straight, I just tweeted oh, the no. lyrics to to that at Russell Crowe, and like <laughs> he he probably doesn't even look at. It. He's probably got a publicist, right. but I never got blocked or anything. So, oh god. That's that is that is a little cringy. <laughs> I thought it was funny. I still th- I, to th- to this day I think it's funny. I mean, sure, sure. The Obsessive Viewer podcast is edited and produced by Matt Hurt and presented by obsessiveviewer.com. For a full archive of our episodes, go to obsessiveviewer.com/ovarchive. You can also like our Facebook page and join the OV Facebook group at facebook.com slash the obsessive viewer and follow us on Twitter at obsessive viewer and at obsessive tiny and follow our recurring co-hosts at I am Mike White. That's me at R.A. Fekis and at burger underscore lurker. If you enjoy the show, please take a couple minutes to leave us a rating and a quick review on Apple Podcasts. This is the easiest way to support what we do and all it costs is a little bit of your time. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can make a PayPal donation at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate or support us on Patreon for recurring donations and access to commentary tracks and B-roll audio recorded exclusively for patrons at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer. Every donation goes toward paying the fees to keep the podcast running and is greatly appreciated. For official Obsessive Viewer merch, including shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more, visit our Tee Public store. 
You can find a link to the store in the show notes of this episode and at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate. Or you can simply search for Obsessive Viewer at tpublic.com, T-E-E, public.com. For information about our annual live event showcasing short horror films from local filmmakers, check out shocktoberinirvington.com. And for an archive of all our events, as well as news about potential future events, head over to obsessiveviewer.com slash live. For more podcast content, you can find Anthology, Matt's solo podcast covering The Twilight Zone, and other classic and contemporary science fiction anthology TV shows at anthologypod.com and on Twitter at OVAnthologyPod. You can also find Tower Junkies, a podcast where Matt and Tiny share their love of all things Stephen King and his magnum opus, The Dark Tower series, at TowerJunkiesPod.com and at TowerJunkiesPod on Twitter. And finally, check out The Secular Perspective, Tiny's side project podcast, which tackles current events and life's big questions from the perspective of secular hosts Chad and Amanda at thesecularperspective.com. The theme music for The Obsessive Viewer comes courtesy of the band Loudlike from their EP, Mistakes We Must Make. Additional bumper music is provided courtesy of As Good As It Gets, which can be found at facebook.com slash asgoodasitgetsband. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Kitty! Hi, I'm Matt. And I'm Josh. And this is You're Gonna Love This or Not. You know, one of my great pleasures in life is to bring people down into my basement and subject them to a terrible, terrible movie that I hope they might like. One of my great joys in life is to come to Subterranean Fun Pit, watch a movie that Matt is convinced I'm going to love, and then tell him about how much I hate it. So we've got a long list of movies to go through, and every uh, month we're going to come on and have Josh watch a movie, talk about a little bit, and see where it falls in uh, the great pantheon of terrible movies. And I'm pretty sure by the end of this, I'm going to develop some form of Stockholm Syndrome. Well, anyways, this is our podcast. Have fun listening to us. And as always, Matt, you're a son of a bitch. I love you, Josh. <laughs>